the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome to our Lifeline Parenting Series. We're joined in studio every week at this time by Vern Tyler, who is founder of Hosanna Pathways and the Hosanna Parent Project. And over the course of the next many weeks, we'll be talking with Vern about many of the foundational biblically-based principles for successful parenting. And by way of introduction every week, Vern, you've got a lot of experience in this. You and your wife, Judy, have not only raised a family of your own, but over the course of many years have been foster parents to about 800 children. I would imagine you've learned a thing or two. (laughs) Very much so, and wonderfully so. It's been a marvelous, marvelous adventure. This series, of course, week by week, will unveil a number of foundational principles when it comes to parenting, not only in terms of addressing the so-called problem child, but quite frankly, for any child. So toward that degree, this is really appropriate for parents, whether they're dealing with children who are a little bit more mature, perhaps preteen years or even older, up to and including those parents who are still anticipating their first child. And I would urge families that are even thinking of families, the pregnancy stage, uh, the infancy stage, these principles are so significant that if you implement them at an early age, you are avoiding the problems of later age. And this is, to me, is is a greater adventure. Uh, If we try to intervene in the older children, generally their mind, their computer, is pretty well already programmed. And to deprogram is a very, very challenging uh, process. So getting started young is the key. Use that phrase that you mentioned earlier about uh, redirecting as opposed to... Oh, it's better to build boys and girls than to mend men and women. Let's use that again. So at the end of the day, then, you've got a phrase that I think will really help parents understand the purpose of this series. Better to build boys and girls than to mend men and women. Let's get underway with today's edition of the Hosanna Parent Project. And toward the end of our conversation with Vern, we'll give you more information about how you can sign up for classes at a church in your area as part of the Hosanna Parent Project. Today, in the segments that are here, I'm going to probably focus mostly on something that I refer to as active supervision. In Psalms chapter 32, verses 8 through 9, it reads as follows. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. It's the end of the, that uh, uh, chapter and verses. Folks, I think this segment of Scripture represents the parenting heart of God. If we take a look at that, it tells us that our Heavenly Father is going to guide us in along the best pathway for our life. As an earthly father or mother, 
grandfather, grandmother. Isn't that one of the things that we are here and the responsibility we have is to guide our children, our grandchildren, in such a way as to provide them the best pathway for their life? So just as our Heavenly Father uh, provides uh, this for you and me as the adult, we need to likewise realize that this is what we need to pass on to our children. This is a responsibility we need to exercise. We don't want our children uh, to be senseless individuals that need somebody to control their behaviors, to constantly supervise them. No. One of our intents as parents is to grow our children to become independent individuals, responsible individuals, but they're not going to become that unless you and I, as parents, train them that way when they're young. We can't wait until they're teenagers to realize this responsibility. Folks, I tell parents all the time, don't wait until your child is 13, 14 to start dealing with a dating issue. You better be dating with that issue back when they're two, three, four years old, beginning to understand uh, their uh, their environment, um, what were as they grow as how we interact, how we respond. Uh, But this is true with every area of our life. I don't care what it is. Uh, We need to understand that we need to train our children the best pathway for their life. Uh, And that means that in that verse that we read there, uh, the latter part of verse 8, our Lord says, I will advise you and watch over you. Folks, This is one of the reasons that I constantly raise this issue. We do not control our children, just as God does not control us. God influences us. God beckons us. God loves us. We do the same thing with our children. When our children are away from us, do they need a bit and bridle to control them? Or have we instilled in them some values, some responsibilities, where they will be able to self-discipline themselves. This is so important for us to realize. So, uh, folks, please, um, when we talk about active supervision, I'm going to be talking about watching over our children. Uh, I'm going to be talking about providing advice and helpful information to help our children to grow. In today's society, our children are exposed so many things uh, that are, I'm going to call casual, uh, casual drug use, casual sex acti- sexual activity, um, uh, casual shocking immoral behaviors. Uh, and all of these can, things can do profoundly uh, and negative impacts on our children. Uh, that certainly is not something that we want in their future. So we've got to be alert. We have to supervise. We have to watch over our children. We have to advise our children, or they're going to grow up like a weed in a field. No real input, no real responsibility, nobody to challenge their conduct, their behavior, their values. Uh, Folks, as parents, we need to develop that in our children. It is so, so very critical. Let me suggest what I observe as a number of dangerous propensities for those of us that are parents today. 
because of our busyness, because of various cultural values that are out there, we are probably not as engaged in our families as we should be. We have plenty of excuses. We're too busy, we're too involved, pursuing a career, financial obligations. We can go on and on and on. But in that process, we are exposing our children some, to some very dangerous uh, pitfalls. And I think if we look at our culture today, w- very few would say that our culture is improving. We're in a downward spiral. Uh, it's tougher for our children living in the culture today than it was 20 years ago. Um, so we as parents, oftentimes we'll say it's harder to parent today. Folks, I'm going to submit to you it's harder to be a child today. Uh, those influences, those positive influences, those controls that we experienced, hopefully experienced, and a lot of families haven't, and of course, then this becomes a generational issue also, spiraling, negative spiraling issue. Uh, the key to our culture is the strength of our family. The strength of our family is determined by the strength of the parents. Very obvious. So parents, if we want to have strong kids, we've got to be a strong family. That means we've got to be strong parents. That's one of the reasons why I love doing this series, uh, the Purpose Driven Parenting, is folks, I want to challenge us. I want us to realize how serious this is. So we have these dangers, what I refer to as dangerous propensity. Let me kind of review what I mean by that. I think today parents unwittingly rely heavily on substitute parents, oftentimes professional substitute parents, such as teachers. We expect the teachers to do their job, and we have very little to do with our child's education. We're not involved in the homework unless we're asked. We don't know the topics our children are studying. We don't know the values that the teachers are imparting to our children. Uh, So we have left this to areas, uh, to individuals, that do not have our same values, uh, and uh, we're allowing our children to be molded in that environment and not in our faith-based Christian values. How about our pastors? Pastors are very, very important. But folks, you're the pastor of your family. Please, you and I as parents are pastors to our children. We shepherd our children. We are responsible for our children. Not pastor of such and such church. They, that pastor feeds us, uh, encourages, supports us, But we, as the parents in a family, have the responsibility to spiritually develop our children. Do we do that? Do we discuss the sermons? Do we even sit together as families in church? Do we have such a thing as family worship time? Or is is everything in church individual spiritual involvement? This is huge today, folks. I see very, very few families sitting in church today having a family worship time. No. Children are off at their groups and their age groups. Parents are doing their thing in their age group, and we don't ever have a time together. How about our youth leaders? You expect your youth leader, junior high leader, your high school leader, to develop your child's spiritual growth? Folks, you're missing the boat. Your child should look to you for answers to support, and your youth leader should be the one that is uh, supporting you. Very, very critical to understand. 
We'll be back with some more of these dangerous propensities. Let's take a break. And now back to Lifeline. Welcome back to Purpose Driven Parenting. I'm your host, Vern Tyler. We, uh, at the end of the last segment, we're talking about what I refer to as uh, dangerous propensities of parents. Our parents unwittingly rely on substitute parents, in effect, what I refer to as substitute parents. We left off on the youth leader uh, dangerously allowing or expecting our youth leader to be the primary person to develop spiritual values in our children. Uh, one of the other areas that I find, and uh, as a counselor, <laughs> I hate to raise this issue, uh, but I see that parents, particularly when you get into a crisis situation, you turn to professional counselors. Now, I'm not going to say this is bad. Please don't misunderstand me here. Counselors do a very uh, good job. Uh, they provide a very significant uh, service. But folks, parents, you and me as mom and dad, we're the primary counselor. I see children, and uh, again, I, uh, I've cared for over 800 foster children, personally, myself and my wife. And one of the things that I see there is that these children that get involved in counseling can actually become codependent on that counseling. <laughs> Folks, this stuff is not being the reason that it, they become codependent is uh, we force them to be codependent. They don't have foster kids, don't have parents, responsible parents. That's why we refer to their temporary parents as foster parents. But whether you're a foster parent or a real parent, a biological parent, an adoptive parent, whatever the case might be, folks, we are the primary counselor for our children. When they have an issue, uh, when they have a behavior, you and I as parents have to step up and take the primary responsibility for working with that behavior hopefully correcting it, uh, and even more critically, developing appropriate and good behaviors before the bad behaviors even surface. But see, when uh, parents, when we are withdrawn and not doing our, our own purpose, we just do not develop the good character, let alone address the bad character issues. And when a parent brings me their child who is 15, 16, 17 years old, trying to find some method, strategy, or some way of correcting this child's inappropriate behavior, it is a geometric problem now. It would have been so much better if this issue had been dealt with back when this child was two, three, four, five, six years old, uh, and the appropriate behaviors developed then instead of allowing this thing to move on. Let me give you a good example of what I see this happen with parents, the issue of anger. Oh, my child has an anger issue. It's, he, your child has an anger issue probably because you did not address that issue and cause the appropriate behavioral non-angry issues when they were an infant, when they were in elementary school. You even, uh, based upon referring it to now as an angry issue or angry behavior, in my estimation, really is a form of justification uh, that you were justifying that behavior, condoning that behavior all along. So your child uh, and our children are, they don't fall, the fruit of our tree doesn't fall far from the tree. So our children are the fruit of our tree. What does that say about us as parents? It says that we've probably neglected one of the very basic things that we should be doing for our children. 
and that's confronting them in love and addressing good behaviors when they're younger or smaller. One of the other areas that I think that we look at for support support or actually substitute parenting are, are coaches, athletic coaches particularly. Uh, and I find this, I think, perhaps more with boys than with girls, is that uh, moms can't handle boys. They don't uh, seem to really be able to communicate, and that's understandable. Uh, I mean, we're constructed differently. We behave differently. Uh, and dads are so busy that they can't engage their sons. So moms and dads both look for coaches as a positive role model for their children. Now, they are a positive role model, but they cannot substitute for a parent. There is no way that they can. So if we don't understand the development issues and the responsibilities as parents, we can literally be ignoring our children going into a lifestyle that is going to be extremely destructive, counterproductive, and possibly um, end in death. So folks, please, we've got to understand this. Let me suggest one other last thing, and I've got them last on the list, because medical doctors, psychological doctors, things of of this nature uh, that um, address serious physical and mental issues, they're very, 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 very important, and we need to appreciate and, uh, and use them. But folks, again, if you sat in an emergency room and watched why people come in to get emergency treatment, it's eye-opening. Uh, individuals will come in with something that just out of fear, uh, it's not a serious medical issue, uh, but it causes great fear, so we uh, immediately turn to a professional for some support. But we'll sit in three and four hours in an emergency room to, uh, uh, to get some kind of a diagnosis that gives us some form of uh, emotional release as to what's happening. Uh, folks, um, I don't necessarily know how I can encourage you to take on the confidence of being able to, to diagnose a medical issue. But uh, I s- sense in my trips to emergency rooms that a parent does not want to take any responsibility for any kind of a diagnosis. They're looking for professional help to make very basic decisions. And I see this happening with our children today. I don't think it's a healthy thing. I think it's a very unhealthy thing, and it certainly does not uh, engender in our children um, the confidence that we as parents know what we're doing and we can handle anything. We just kind of go into a frenzy, take them to an emergency room, and uh, then hope that somebody else is going to deal with our responsibility. Parents unwittingly uh, also, with regard to a dangerous propensity, parents unwittingly assume our children need to learn by trial and error to become independent and responsible. Uh, Folks, for you and me as an adult who think rationally, yes, we can learn by trial and error. But trial and error obviously has much more danger involved with it. Unfortunately, emotional children cannot evaluate danger, uh, and they will constantly repeat the same mistake over and over again. Uh, Once a child climbs a tree, breaks an arm, they may be a little more cautious when they climb the tree, but 
children are going to be children. They're probably going to climb that tree again and expose themselves to that risk of breaking another arm. That's the nature of a child. So, you know, we cannot ex- assume, in fact, it would be a danger, it would be erroneous to assume that our children are going to learn deep values through the trial and error process. No, folks, that's a rational understanding, and we as the rational parents need to be aware of that. Now, we need to let our children learn from their mistakes. We need to let them climb trees, but we need to understand they're going to break an arm when that happens. They have the potential to break an arm when that happens. Uh, That's not something we're going to encourage them to do is climb a tree so that they can break their arm. But folks, they need the adventure. They need to develop their motor skills. They need to be develop some confidence that they can climb things, that they can learn to ride a bicycle. Uh, These are appropriate uh, learning processes for children, and uh, we need to understand, though, we need to watch them. We need to extend our supervision to those behaviors so that uh, they will not unnecessarily put themselves at risk. But let's not do this unwittingly, folks. Let's not assume that they're going to uh, be able to distinguish the risks and the dangers that are there. Uh, this is a very critical area, and we need, need to be aware of it and supervise our children accordingly. All right, we'll take a break and be right back. And now, back to Lifeline. Welcome back to Purpose Driven Parenting. I'm your host, Vern Tyler. We have been uh, talking about some things that we parents need to be aware of uh, in the supervising of our children. Uh, we're going to continue with that, those thoughts and uh, continue to develop that. Uh, because of significant cultural changes in the family and, and our world and the dynamics of all of that, our children are unfortunately experiencing a lack of healthy, positive structure and supervision. Uh, I don't think many of us adults uh, would deny that the cultural issues that we're having to face now are kind of uh, just do whatever you can get by with. Maybe that's one of the ways that I can characterize it. That's not a very healthy process because that means that there's perhaps more risk being taken than should, and there's not a respect of individuals, of values, of morals, and so on and so forth in that kind of a process. Uh, So I would hope as parents that we would realize that and try to provide that healthy, positive structure Uh, but structure without supervision is worthless. Those two have got to go together. We've got to have structure in our family, and then that has to be followed with careful uh, uh, supervision. Let's kind of take a look at some of the areas of structure in our home that I hope that you as a responsible, caring, ministering parent would want to see in your home. Um, first of all, is a spiritual issue. Uh, folks, I think even some of us that are people of faith are kind of apologetic uh, about our faith when it comes to having others that are not of the same faith or the same value system visit us or when we're in their company. We t- tend to tone it down, and I guess that might be for the purpose of not wanting to offend. Um uh, But, folks, we are who we are. Uh, We are a spiritual creature. If we've been born again, 
if that's what we want to see our children uh, grow up with and be, uh, then we cannot be apologetic. We have to be very forthright with our spiritual uh, uh, activities. Uh, that means in your home, you're, you should be teaching your, your child, if you will, uh, not somebody else. Don't use these substitute people here again. It's up to you and me as parents to teach our children how to pray. Folks, there's probably nothing that's been any more valuable in my life, particularly with my foster kids. Each night, every night, I spend time praying with each child. Why? Because I want to hear the child, and I can hear more from my child in that, let's say, five minutes of prayer than I can even in a counseling session. And as a professional counselor, I can tell you, that is profound. But I've got to teach them to pray. Every foster child that's come into my home, very seldom, uh, will I ever hear a child model to me that they are uh, comfortable with praying. But within three days, within three days, when a foster new kid comes into my home, within three days, this is normal, they will be praying out loud. Now, it's going to be a halting, crude, um, very... uh, staccato kind of a prayer, that's great. Just get them feeling comfortable with it. Uh, And I would say within 30 days in my home, these kids want to pray. They're comfortable with praying. How about your children? Are your children comfortable with praying and praying with you? Not just praying. If If they will pray with you, they're going to feel comfortable in praying out in public. But if they're not willing to pray with you, they're probably not going to be comfortable praying in public. What does that say about their testimony? Their courage. If you're not going to show the courage, then don't expect your children to. How about Bible reading? Do you have a time where you read with your your child? Um, do you, uh, and there are various ways you can set this up in your home. Do your children see you reading the Bible? If they don't see you reading the Bible, why should they read the Bible? These are huge issues, folks, when it comes to setting structure in your home. How about meditation? Just simply being quiet, meditating on God. Um, when an issue comes up, uh, can you tell your child, have you prayed about it? Have you thought about it? Have you sought any kind of uh, counsel? Uh, have you thought about it or meditated on this? These are very instructional issues for a child that helps them develop their values. How about church involvement? Do you go to church every Sunday? How about midweek services? How about youth group activities? Do you participate? Do you take them there? Do you send them to youth camps in the summer? Folks, if you want a strong child spiritually, this has to be modeled in our homes. If it's not modeled, don't expect our children to become something that doesn't fall from the tree, the fruit of our tree. Remember, the fruit doesn't fall far from that tree. So uh, we can't expect our children to be something that we have not modeled for them and not have encouraged them. Uh, so the first thing that I try to emphasize with these families is, please, consider the spiritual values. How about ac- uh, uh, academics, school, uh, homework, um, getting your homework done uh, on time, doing it well, the discipline of all of those things, the time management required to do your homework before you watch TV or play with your friends, uh, or do activities. Folks, uh, part of your rules of your home need to be around uh, academics. 
your child needs to see that you value academics, uh, that you look forward to academics being part of their future. Are they going to go to college? Uh, this You don't wait until your child is a freshman or sophomore in high school to talk about college. You're talking about college back when they're three and four years old. Uh, help them develop a, a vision of what they want to be, and then give them an idea on uh, how they can develop those desires. Uh, and your child is going to be a much more comfortable child. They're not going to be nearly as anxious about their future. Again, if you do these kinds of things. But that structure in your home is going to be very critical. How about the structure around friends? There are good friends and there are bad friends. Now, we can't choose our friends, the, the friends for our children, but we sure as the world can influence it. And if you see your child uh, developing a relationship or being involved with individ an individual or individuals who have a bad reputation, folks, a responsible parent is not going to stand by and just hope that by trial and error, our children are going to develop the right decision and avoid those that are going to cre create bad uh, choices and those that are going to create good choices for our children. No, we're going to influence that. So we have to be aware of that. How about work? And I, when I say work, I'm not necessarily saying uh, having an outside job, although when a child reaches that uh, 12, 13, 14-year-old, uh, I'm sincerely I'm with my foster kids. I expect them to work, get out and find a job that they're going to earn some money. But before that age, they've got chores. They have responsibilities in the home. In other words, one of the structural issues that we need in our home is where we are developing a, what I'm going to call a work ethic, generally described in our culture as a work ethic. I find this extremely deficient in children today. Our children have not learned the disciplines attached or connected with work. So they graduate from college and expect automatically that they should get a very high-paying job in a very uh, large corporation. Um, you know, those are not realistic uh, expectations. And the reason, only reason a child would be thinking that way is because they have not been uh, engendered in the work ethic when they were younger. Uh, mom takes, makes their beds. Mom cleans their room. Mom cooks all the food. Mom cleans the house, takes out the garbage. Uh, Dad d does all the yard work. Nobody, uh, you know, don't have any responsibility with that. Their cars are always maintained by Dad. Uh, their bicycles are kept running by Dad. Uh, folks, we've got to establish a work ethic with our children. The other thing uh, that I think uh, in structure is even things like free time. Folks, our children should not have absolute free reign, that they can just simply go out and do the things that they want. Your home should have a schedule attached to it. There is free time. Uh, there are chore times. There is homework times. There are Bible study times. Um, you need to develop a discipline. I think in most of our children today, uh, they're just freewheeling. Uh, they, mom and dad, so long as they're not at home, under their feet, not creating a problem in the community, uh, they're just turned loose. Now, folks, you're not going to create a responsible uh, individual by giving them that kind of freedom. That's only going to add to their destruction. Uh, so this is very important for us to understand 
is that, uh, no, we have to establish rules, expectations in our home that are, will cause our children to grow and understand uh, such concepts as authority, uh, that we're accountable, uh, that uh, we have responsibility. Uh, so this is a, a challenge for us folks, but it's a challenge that I would hope as parents uh, that we gladly accept. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to take a lot of work and a lot of preparation. It is. But that's what is expected of parents. That's why God blessed us and honored us with these children, so that we could supervise them and would structure them and grow them into the individual that God wants them to be. Let's take a break, and we'll be back. And now, back to Lifeline. Welcome back to Purpose Driven Parenting. I'm your host, Vern Tyler. Today we are kind of focusing on the issue of supervising our children. I refer to it as encouraging families to be active supervisors with their children. That uh, sometimes can be a little inconvenient, a little scary. Uh, When we're busy, we don't want to have to be actively involved. We tend to take a passive position. Uh, We tend to allow our children to roam uh, and not be as responsible as they should be. And this can create some problems as their children grow. And it certainly does not help them to become the independent, responsible individual that we want them to grow into. Uh, In the last segment, we were talking about uh, uh, some of the components uh, in a family that we need to consider in our structure We need to have structural issues around spiritual, academic, friends, family, work, and I even uh, threw in their free time, as I think our children nowadays have so much free time. And accordingly, they turn to the social media issues, video games, social uh, iPhone activity, uh, and that does not encourage, support, develop anything other than maybe a few motor skills. Uh, but uh, there's very little value to most of the free time that our children now participate in. Uh, One of the things that I want to emphasize, too, is so when it comes to structure in the home, and I think this is something that parents try to avoid, uh, because they think um, that the uh, structure really inhibits their child's activities, Um, And this should not be the case uh, if it isn't some kind of an inhibition unless it's try to uh, prevent uh, inappropriate behavior, then we're approaching this whole uh, issue incorrectly. Uh, But our structure should be a method of helping children use their time to develop their skills and become responsible and successful individuals. Uh, So please, folks, please, please, don't assume that a good structured home is a form of punishment. No. Uh, It's a form of discipline. It is helping our children to become more responsible, more accountable, uh, more productive, more responsible. Uh, So we cannot feel guilty or apologize for good structure. Folks, that's just antithetical. Uh, And we parents cannot fall into that trap that I'm not going to be uh, uh, provide a structured environment for my children because I feel it's going to inhibit uh, their freedoms, uh, their trial and error process, or wh- however you want to 
uh, describe it. Uh, uh, you know, kids simply don't have the self-discipline. Uh, so parents need to provide this structure, and uh, it's absolutely necessary and appropriate. Our children need that accountability. If we don't provide it for them, who will? How will our children ever become accountable if you and I don't provide it in the structure of our homes, in the structure of our families? It's not going to happen, folks. And we see so many families, so many children today that are not accountable, have no uh, or very little uh, sense of responsibility, uh, and their independence drives us crazy. Uh, they expect everybody to support them, everybody to believe in them, everybody to encourage them, and they do nothing. Uh, now, that's why we've trained our families. That's the way we have trained our children. Again, the fruit does not fall far from the tree. Uh, our children become who we have trained them to be. They grow from the modeling that we have provided. So it is extremely important. I want to... Uh, uh, change here a little bit, and uh, we're going to work into something here real uh, quickly and see if we can't develop some uh, some areas that uh, active supervision involves. Uh, and there are five simple words that I want to kind of go through with you today. Uh, those words are who, what, where, when, and why. So when we're going to be supervising our children, our, our children want to become involved in an activity. They want to go do something they uh, want to um, uh, be with somebody in an activity. Uh, as supervisors, we need to ask those five W's. Uh, the who? Who is my child with? Uh, a parent should meet all their children's friends. I would hope that you as a parent uh, would know the children that you're associating with. Uh, they should know the friends' last names and... Hopefully, you'll even get to know the parents of those children. That's what you call neighbors or community. Uh, unfortunately, I think that is another area that is being um, neglected. We no longer have a greater community. Our communities are growing much, much smaller and even becoming individual, let alone any community. Uh, so we need to be involved with our children. Who is going to be? Are these good kids or are these bad kids? Are these dangerous events or are these safe events? Uh, so the who becomes very, very critical. So if your child uh, comes to you on Friday and says, uh, I would want to go to this activity, uh, one of the first questions you need to do is say, well, who's going to be going there? Who's going to be there? Um, uh, who's going to be uh, supervising the activity? Uh, are you going to want your child to go to even watching a video uh, in an unsupervised environment, that can be very dangerous. Uh, what if alcohol shows up at that event? The kids who are there, the who, the kids that are there are going to give you a good idea of what the potential for that might be. Are you going to be comfortable with that? These are some things you need to ask. The what? What will my child be doing? If the child is going to be going to a dance, a show, a party, or someone's house, now please, folks, you remember you and I when we were children? Did we only go to one event? Wasn't there kind of a progression that happened? You need to pose some questions about that. I know if my parents asked me where I wanted to go, I would only tell them the places that I knew that they would be in favor of, 
They wouldn't object to. If I was intending to go someplace that was questionable, I wouldn't raise my the, the, my parents' uh, uh, awareness of that. Again, folks, this is natural. This is human to do that. So you need to probe a little bit. And one of the ways that um, some of these things are controlled is you need some parents will have children call when they leave one event and go to the next. That way the, the child is made alert, made responsible to keep you informed. And if things change, and they usually will, oftentimes will, on these activities, you need to be made aware. You could, uh, again, your child is uh, emotional. They're not going to be logical. You A red flag might uh, raise for you, and you might say, no, I'm not comfortable with this. As we pursue this, I think some of these other uncomfortable issues that, I'm, that you might become aware of will become rather obvious, too. Uh, the other W is where. Where is my child going to be? Uh, it's going to be at a theater. It's going to be a dance. It's going to be at a family event. Uh, you need to be aware of that uh, because uh, those various things can have uh, consequences. Uh, uh, is there going to be alcohol? Is it a place where alcohol could be? Uh, you need to be aware of that because you're probably not going to feel comfortable if there's going to be alcohol or drugs there. And if there will, if there is going to be a potential for that, see, you can talk with your child. Well, what are you going to do if alcohol does show? Well, I'm just not going to drink any. Well, me as a parent, I'd probably have to say, I'm not comfortable with that. Help me. Help me become more comfortable. Tell me what you would do if alcohol or drugs show. Um well, I'll give you a call. Now, I'm comfortable with that. So if any drugs or alcohol show, I'm going to come pick you up. You have established a supervising responsibility there that uh, doesn't let your child uh, expose himself to undue risk. The other W is when. When will my child be home? Now, folks, uh, or when are they going to transition to other places? Get a general idea about this. Let me suggest something to you. Never go to bed until your child is home. Never. This is very critical. We have to understand that our children, if they feel that they can come home drunk, inebriated, uh, have sex and be dis, um, uh, you know, their, their clothing disheveled, uh, then they will do it. They can walk in the house and you're never going to know. But if you greet them at the door, and you exchange information with them uh, and uh, ask them how their night was, uh, that will prevent in itself probably 80% of the risk of whatever your child is going to be doing. But you have to stay up. Now, this is not convenient. That means that you've got to be sleep-deprived for the benefit of your child. But, folks, that's what we as parents are all about. We will sacrificially, lovingly be there for our child. Thank you again. This is Vern Tyler. If you need to uh, communicate with me, please, on the uh, uh, email, purposedrivenparenting at gmail.com. Or if you want to go to a website, www.hosannapathways.org, I'd love to hear from you. May God bless you. Look forward to our next time together. 
Well, Vern, I'd like to thank you for your insights and comments today as part of our ongoing parenting series, a part of the Hosanna Parent Project. And for folks that say, gee, this is really great stuff, I'd like to go a little bit deeper. I'll remind listeners, you can download today's program as part of the KFAX podcast at kfax.com. I would encourage you to listen to this content again, certainly listen to it together with your spouse, and be able to down through the coming days and weeks, build principle upon principle, precept upon precept. For parents that need to go a little bit deeper and want to go into some intensive training, tell us a bit about the Hosanna Parent Project and how they can sign up for classes. Yes, they can go to the website that you had just mentioned, hosannaparentproject.org. They also can go to the national uh, website, which is www.parentproject.com, and all of the opportunities are, are listed on that website. However, I am the only one in the United States that's using the Parent Project spiritually-based curriculum. Everybody else is secular. So those that want the spiritual emphasis need to come to my series, and then that way they'll be able to get that influence. You have multiple-week seminars taking place at churches throughout the Bay Area. And what if somebody listening says, we need this in our church? Is it available? It is. Go to the same website. Give me some information. I'll contact the pastor, and we'll see if we can't arrange it based on the, the ability to use the church. And again, information available on the series at hosannaparentproject.org, a number of tools and resources available at that website as well, hosannaparentproject.org. That's hosannaparentproject.org. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.